and goes. Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 68. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the Pioneer compatriot, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Pioneer. We really are. I wish that this was like a joke intro lead-in, but Legacy is completely dead. Nobody is ever going to play Legacy ever again. All of the Legacy podcasts are now Pioneer podcasts, so deal with it. What is dead may never die, right? Like the Jets? <laughs> Bro, I need Julian Edelman, Julian, to stay under 35 yards in the second half, and I'll preserve my undefeated fantasy season. So it's killing me right now not being able to see this, but I'm kind of glad I'm not watching the Jets get massacred. It's it's brutal. I was sitting in class, and I have Brady and the Pats D versus Le'Veon Bell. Ooh. And I was down by 10, and it is working out very, very nicely in my favor. It is. But let's talk about magic. Well, speaking Sa- Sam Darnold's dead. Speaking of the AFC East, though, the the Bills are five and one right now, and to celebrate, we actually brought on a Bills fan with us. We've got uh, the Terminator, Terminate Golia, uh, on the podcast. What's up, Nate? You know it. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty well I, now. We I got- mean, I guess it's not going well for you, and I guess it's going okay for Tom because of this horrifying massacre of a game that was going on before I came outside. It's but, pretty yeah. brutal, yeah. We, and the uh, the purpose of this episode tonight is obviously the Pioneer announcement was made this morning, and Nate, we, we know Nate has been our, in the past, our level-headed moderator of our debates, and he's usually got some great takes on the Eternal formats. And also, uh, one of his co-hosts on the Eternal Dirtles podcast, uh, Phil Blackman, was able to make it tonight, and he's he's yeah, a hot take machine. Level-headed. No, no. level headed. Let's bring some heat. Yeah, we got the flamethrower. We got Nate's Nate's cool water to pour on this discussion. And dude, it was pretty wild. Like, you think of these like cultural touchstone moments, like for Magic. This announcement today was huge. It was like you know we're going to be talking about where were you on October twenty first. You know, like. Our parents, they have, like, where were you during JFK or the moon landing? Like, we have, you know, where were you during 9-11 or Aaron Boone's home run or David Tyree's helmet catch. <laughs> like, now there's the magic, like, where were you when Pioneer was announced? Because I got nothing done today. Uh, where I was was hoping that they just ban fetches in all formats and then magic the better <sighs> game. I, um, one of those, huh? I definitely... Don't remember where I was when Modern was announced. I mean, I'm sure I was at my house, so that's probably, you know, because I worked at home anyway. But so I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we'll remember. We'll see if Pioneer takes off, right? Dude, I think it's bound to take off. They're giving it four GPS, right? I mean, they're not soft selling it for sure. If they're doing that, like, yeah, that's yeah, pretty I crazy. Think, I think this was a brilliant move by Wizards, not because of gameplay wise, but like. They had to sort of tone down their Modern Masters reprints because they were running out of reprint equity. And making this new format just spiked the prices of so many cards from RTR forward that now when they do a Pioneer Masters set, they have a lot more ammo to work with. It's like What are, what are the biggest spikes so far? 
Uh, so I don't know all of the data because like I usually check MTG stocks in the morning. So we're not, I'm not going to know exactly everything that spiked until tomorrow, but there's, there's a ton of cards that are just sold out everywhere. Right, can, we, can, can we, can we play, uh, uh, around the horn on, uh, we each get a pick on what we think is the biggest spike. So biggest dollar wise or biggest percentage wise? I would, what's more appealing? Percentage. I percentage. Say. All right. Siege Rhino. I'm going with Siege Rhino. Etherworks Marvel. Was that yours, Phil? No, am I up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Phil. Jace Vrin's Prodigy. Oh, no. I was going to say that. Um, so All right, you can have it. I'll pick another one. I'm going to say one of the KLD Fastlands, like a blue-green. I'll say blue-green Fastland. Oh, that's definitely the smartest pick. Cast Oko. That's the easiest pick. Yeah, yeah you're do- totally right. Oh, Oko would have been a great pick. Yeah. Well, Oko already spiked because of the Pro Tour and the other band announcement. Yeah, I think that, you know, they're, they're, it's funny because we're talking, like, last time I was on, it was like a debate about whether or not the thing was good. But I think all four of us, well, I don't know about you, Tom. I, I'm pretty, I think this is kind of cool. I, I think, I don't know, what do you think is the most appealing part of this of this new format? Because I think there's a couple things, but I think there's one thing in particular that legacy players are reacting to. So, one, I think that it is, it equalizes the format because the power level of cards from Return to Ravnica through now is more sort of within a, a skinny band. Legacy is really spiky with the power level of cards, so it makes more strategies and more more cards playable. And I think because when you're dealing with multicolored blocks like Return to Ravnica and Cons, now your mana is is really the constraint behind what you can do and taking out the fetch lands is going to be great to see creative deck building with that. I think there are zero comparisons to be made between other formats because the other formats are entirely constrained by fetch lands and I use constrained as opposed to enabled for a reason. This like the play patterns and like the deck building that we're going to see in this format is going to be entirely different from any other format that we've seen outside of like, you know, a standard that has like a thousand cards in it. Uh, because all of the good cards in all of the other formats have all been enabled by fetch lands in some capacity. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think that also like two color, like there's a real penalty if you're going three color, like in the list I'm trying to sketch up. It seems like we're going to have like different looking decks too, just based on, based on that little requirement. And uh, it kind of reminds me of like the original standards. Like I play a little Pro Tour 95 now and then, and the the brewing constraints kind of fit into into that where you have like subpar answers, subpar threats compared to like a legacy, but also subpar mana. And I, I think that it's really like got my, uh, got my creative juices flowing, man. I have six deck lists so far. Like I, I'm, there's a lot of people like naysaying this format. There's a lot of doomsayers, uh, not necessarily this format, but just like what it's going to do to the magic scene in general. But I, right now I'm really excited about this. And that was, you all said it, like, not having fetch lands in a format makes it interesting, even if you're the kind of person who generally enjoys old border formats like myself and you guys, like, it it just is tiring sometimes to just have the same mana base over and over and over again, and the same kind of, like Phil said, just like the same kind of cards and the same kind of interactions, like... It's just, it's refreshing. And I, I think about that from play, playing old school. Like, old school doesn't have fetches. And the pre-modern formats and, and middle school type and hyper-extended do, but they don't, you know, even then they're, like, more marginalized. But, like, the fetch land plus 
fetchable dual mana base is just played out and it's time for a new and interesting challenge. I think that's the number one thing about this format that makes it interesting. You know what else is interesting about this format? The removal sucks. Yeah, no swords to plowshares. Dude, what you is the white bolt. removal? There's no I mean, bolt in this There's format. no path to exile. There's no. There's declaration in stone. You know what I thought was going to be the premier removal spell? Uh, Fatal Push. But you know what's bad about Fatal Push? When it doesn't have fetch lands. Oh. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. But like the think, removal is good. Like the premier removal is going to be two mana removal spells. Do you know how much that changes the the whoa. the playable creatures in a format? So do you? Are we getting into like where you want to start with the format? Is that what what's up next? Well, should, <laughs> where should we start? You can you can, you can take us to the end. We kind of yeah we weren't going to go that way, but now I'm really thinking about this too because we're going to have supreme verdict, but not uh not one mana removal spells. So that's like well you have supreme verdict, but that color restriction. I guess if you're only playing two colors, it's it's easy. But don't you just don't you just sort of start with mono red and see what you can do with that first oh souped up atarka red is just going to be the premier aggro deck of the format and it's not going to be close the yeah i, no, I think you the, go. The, the difference on removal though isn't that like oh the, like we can't play one mana removal it just changes what the the paradigms for a playable creature are so in every other format that bolt has ever existed which is every all, all of them it's always been like oh this thing dies to bolt well now if you have three toughness you, you get around disfigure and like burst lightning Disfigure's so, not legal, f- but you're, yes, you're right. Well, yeah, Deadly, you, like, yeah, no, Disfigure is legal. It was reprinted. Oh, it was? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. It was in it's in standard right now. So if oh you, God, if, I have if, no idea. <laughs> if you get past shock, I, I don't know if Burst Lightning is legal, but if you get past essentially shocks and Disfigure, then all, like, that, that butt is important. You know, a three butt is a big deal. Yeah, that's so true. Looking, I didn't think about that. But, so, like, yeah. your Mantis Riders are not just going to be dead to one mana removal anymore. Oh, that's a good, yeah, I mean, yeah, but now you got to cast Mantis Rider. And that's, that, oh, that makes it cool, That's though, just right? an example. Yeah. It's an example. No, no, you're right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Well, it's, it's, it's like how you, you can see that it balances itself, right? You can, Like, Mantis Rider is a three-color, you know, creature, and that's that's a price now. So the, the next idea that I was trying to put together, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes here, because I know that Ian probably already has four drafts of this deck up but if the one mana removal all sucks like creature enabled combo decks like jeskai ascendancy could also be like a really good place to start now you're speaking phil's language yeah dude I, i've been thinking about emery ascendancy like in all of the other formats since emery was spoiled the only issue with that so far is i imagine the emery ascendancy deck in this format is going to have to play a lot of subpar cards because you don't have any of like the good cheap zero mana artifacts to enable it outside of Mox Amber, and Mox, Mox Amber is already pretty sketchy if you don't have other legends to to go to go along with yeah, it. Yeah, now I was thinking of just like the old modern ascendancy list that was like basically just creatures, not not even an Emery combo. Yeah, you you lose Fate Stitcher, so you have to fill that gap too. Okay. Yeah, that, it's it's definitely there. Like the the fact that it it can just be a a potentially like turn two or turn three kill, assuming you're playing, you know, like goose and birds, then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we're not too far off, right? Because just uh, turn two Emery into whatever plus turn three Ascendancy, if you have something in your yard that you can just cast for zero, then the game just ends. It just matters what are the reasonable things that you can play for zero while also enabling Emery. Because, I mean, Affinity for Artifacts is obviously still going to be busted. I mean, 
uh, after thinking about just Emery being as broken as it most probably is, I can't think of anything that anybody would want to do other than have Emery speed up your dig through times. <laughs> well, the Pro Tour Dragons of Dark here in Brussels, a- Ascendancy Combo. This was played at a Pro Tour Dragons of Dark here. Is a crazy deck. Has no Lishi fetches. Lee top aided with it, man. Yeah, Lee Shitian top aided it with the at the the uh, at um, Pro Tour Concertark here. So maybe that just doesn't matter if we don't go anywhere farther than that. But yeah, like the deck was in standard. It's probably it was it was a little soft probably, and and Tian's has a uh, two flooded strand. But there is one on there that was played at a Pro Tour and has no fetches and. I'm not even sure how. I can't even figure out what's going on in this deck. There's like a Nyx Fleece Ram. What's going on? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> you had to go a huge distance to make Ascendancy playable because you had a bunch of cards that you wanted to play with and then a bunch of cards that you needed, needed just to fill out the deck. So Nyx Fleece Ram oh. was there to just not die. The kill is Retraction Helix. Here you go. The kill is Retraction Helix oh, yeah. and Briber's Purse. So Briber's Purse is a zero mana artifact. And then Retraction Helix lets you tap a creature to return a non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Um, so you would alter just... the brood, yeah, alter the brood, and alter the brood. So it's like a several card combo deck. I know that we got off the rails a little bit, but this shows you like, oh, like you can you can actually start with that and go somewhere. Alter the brood was a card mostly because it begins with the letter A. That when I when I called up all the cards that were legal and started, I was like, oh, I can get through these by the end of the day, and I got as far as like G. <laughs> but I was like, oh, alter the bruise right there. That's that's right there for you to be broken. But yeah, um, I think it's 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 cool that you can think like that though. And, yeah, and, you know, yeah, look at some sure. of these things. I don't know something that's cool going to be really it? fun to interact with is that we're actually going to see what the future future league was playing with when they were playing with Delve. Right when they were playing with Delve and they were figuring out their cost, they're like, oh yeah. Seven in a blue is fine for treasure crews. And it's because they were like, yeah, we're not thinking about fetch lands. We're going to see, like, that's that's what they were thinking. And we're going to be like, oh, yeah, this makes total sense. Total sense. What's probably going to happen is we, we get to the format, and it's still not going to make a ton of sense. People are like, <laughs> oh, it's still ancestral. People are just going to find ways to enable it because, you know, the delve spells are just going to be the best things you can be doing. I don't expect the delve spells to last too long. But yeah, our, our listeners, if you're freaking out right now because you're like a legacy purist, uh, we're going to do some more probably of this deck list, ex- format exploration stuff a little later. But I just really quick wanted to sort of get us back on track to uh, what what impact do you think that this announcement has on legacy, on vintage, and on modern, right? On, on the sort of the three formats. And if we, I guess we could just start with Nate. You want to start this off? Yeah, I don't think there's any impact on the Eternal formats. They've already been stress-tested by Modern at this point. Like, the the relative cost difference only doesn't really matter at this point. And the, the competition for time, I mean, I still think that as interested as I am in playing this, I mean, it's, I'm interested in it in the way, like, if I was going to play, if I, like, had a reason to play Modern, I would rather play this, you know? But I wouldn't play this over Legacy, you know, at like a Grand Prix or something if I had to pick one. Um, and I, I just, I don't see any sort of impact. And the only, the only thing I would say is that's positive about for Legacy and Vintage is that this, and I don't know if we want to get into this in a little bit, but like, they, they're they like, we're going to put this on Magic Online. And I sign into Magic Online and they had like throwback drafts running until this thing goes live. 
so that people can get cards. It's like any three packs from the legal sets. You can just get assigned them at random. Um, they're running drafts for it. They're going to run a bunch of PTQs on Magic Online, and that's going to preserve Magic Online as a platform for Magic, and that's good for Legacy and Vintage, which is that's where a lot of the testing happens at this point. So, um, I, I, it's, it's, it's almost, I just think it's amazing that they're launching a new format on Magic Online two years into Arena's lifetime. <laughs> like, that's amazing. I mean, how many, I mean, look, you could say, so I'm going to a lot of places here, but like in 2011, they announced Modern. Legacy was going to be dead by now, for sure, within eight years. There was going to be no one playing Legacy. That didn't happen. Then Arena comes out two years ago. Oh, well, Magic Online's going to be gone. It sucks. It's terrible. And two years, and again, two years after that, they're launching this this new premiere format that they're giving four Grand Prix to, and it's not on Arena. It's on Magic Online. Like, the only place they're going to play it, most likely, until, you know, the end of the year, because, you know, maybe stores will get some informal stuff together, but I doubt there'll be, like, any sort of major pioneer tournaments happening at, at F&M's or whatever, you know, it's only going to be on Magic Online. I just think that's amazing that, like, all this, like, you know, reports of its death greatly exaggerated. I, I don't, but, like, again, I don't see a competition for legacy time. And I think it's just good that it's it's giving Magic Online a little boost. People are going to sign up for Magic Online to play this. So I know Phil has probably the hottest take. So, Tom, you want to go next? Yeah, I think that it it's going to see there's going to be no changes in vintage because of this new format. Right. Like people who are entrenched in vintage is just entrenched in vintage. There's going to be the most effect on the modern format. And I think it might, I don't actually think it's going to have a huge effect on legacy, except it could definitely make it so that legacy doesn't get a premier event. Like maybe with all the new rollouts of the, uh, pioneer format they cut the legacy grand prix to make room for that even though it seems like they cut the standard grand prix but i think since modern is closer as a format it's gonna see the most sort of withdrawal from it and i think legacy and vintage are going to remain largely untouched except it does mean we could lose a big legacy premiere event just to make room for the new format yeah so i i agree with a lot of what you're saying and we kind of predicted, we all did on the Reserveless episode, that this format was coming, right? Because the standard cards were finding a very small percentage of play in Modern, and you need to have these cards have, have value in a longer term. Like a box of Shadows of Innistrad, it's like $30 now. Uh, they probably need, not anymore. Yeah, probably not anymore. <laughs> but they need to support these cards somehow. And what I, like, thinking about it in theory, I was like, okay modern isn't going to make sense anymore like legacy is a static thing right it goes back to the beginning it still makes sense as a format to play but modern now feels kind of like an arbitrary time period where you can play this modern horizon set but not the other supplemental products like you can in legacy or vintage and it's just like this is just straight up replacing modern i think in in people's awareness but what gives me pause about it is they still put four modern grand prix on the schedule so that's kind of like a mixed signal uh, that that I'm a little bit concerned about. But Phil, you want to take it? Yeah, we can start off with the idea that vintage is nothing's nothing's going to change about vintage. Agreed. Vintage has already had zero actual sanctioned support, pretty much, and people who play it are still going to play it, and they're always going to play it because those are the players that play vintage. So vintage is just going to go untouched, and we don't really need to think about that. For legacy, 
I th- I I hope they get rid of all the legacy Grand Prix and just replace them with Pioneer. Uh, and my reasoning for that is if they remove half of the uh, major legacy events per year, right? Like if we thought it was going to be two eternal weekends and two GPs that people will fly to and make big events out of, then that's just going to open the door for a secondary tournament organizer to just fill in that gap. The thing is, is that us as as a legacy community just need to all agree that whatever the the prize structure would be worthwhile for you to fly to an event is going to be whatever it is. So I remember when Tales of Adventure tried to run legacy events for people, uh, when legacy um, support was going down, nobody showed up. And so the guys at Tales of Adventure were losing money when they would be trying to run these events, but they were trying to essentially fill the void. And I think once they stop doing legacy Grand Prix and just fill it with Pioneer, whatever, like, are are you guys going to stop playing legacy like i'm not going to stop playing legacy as long as there's reasonable events that we can all travel to and i think if if we just have a couple of tournament organizers that are like yeah we're going to do this the entry is going to be what the same thing that a gp entry was going to be we were expecting to pay that anyway and then the prize payout is going to be like on par with that entry and then people can go to it and then we all will just hold it in high enough esteem that you know it's like another eternal weekend or it's the grand prix replacement and then legacy is going to be fine and that's so, going to be that, you know. Speaking of that, this Saturday at Gaming Etc. is the Leaving a Legacy uh, 1 to 5K. Yeah, but and imagine if, if those kinds of tournaments, if they if they could secure enough turnout after, like, it's confirmed. Like, the best thing that WotC can do is if they are not going to do Legacy Grand Prix or, like, one in each, you know, major continent across the year just say hey we're we're going to no longer have legacy grand prix like just be open with that you're gonna get the flack out the gate but whatever no legacy players are gonna be like well i guess i'll sell all my cards that's not gonna happen the the best thing they can do is just be upfront about it that way another to can come in and just like take all of the profit that all these all of us legacy players with disposable income want to throw our income away at you know going o2 at these events so it's like ripping the band-aid off is what you're saying yeah, don't don't like right now they they haven't released the the full schedule of GPs and if, if they go and then there's no legacy events like right now we're all like waiting to see like will there be any legacy events will there not it, it would just be so much easier if they're if, if they know that they're not going to have any legacy events just be like hey legacy players there's not going to be any events and then the mothership should absolutely be like but if there's another tournament organizer that wants to support legacy players will happily promote you on the website because it would cost them nothing and then they can still keep us happy in that they're giving us a format without Fetchland, so we get to actually enjoy that. And then we get to still play Legacy if it continues to evolve with their arbitrary power creep. And we can play Legacy and not have to feel like our duels are worth nothing. I don't... Yeah. I, I, I personally don't really think that Legacy as a format is hinging on whether or not there's a Grand Prix for it at this point. I, I agree. Yeah, I um, I mean, I went to Atlanta and it was fine, but it could have just been any... It could have been any format. They, they currently have them up to April 24th. And I guess that was about last year, the time last year when the first Legacy Grand Prix was. Because that was in April in uh, in Niagara Falls. So, but like, and then again, like though in the months after that, you have Seattle, Prague, Providence, San Jose, these have, and Columbus. 
by like August 7th. These have all, Bologna, August 21st, and Kobe. These have all hosted Legacy Grand Prix before. They could just have them in the summer for whatever reason. You know, maybe they want to do that. I, I, and they're also showing off Pioneer with, with you know, all these. They're going to have one on every continent, you know, in the first week of February, pretty much. So I, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's really anything to worry about. And like, like what? It's not like, yeah, like you said, like having one GP or two GPs in the in the North America each year is really not that big a deal. I would have gone to more SCGs if there if there if I didn't go to GPs or something like that. You know, I mean, even this year we had the the back to back weeks, right? Yeah. Like with with right before Atlanta, there was a Star City Legacy Grand Prix. So like, okay, there's no Atlanta Grand Prix. I just go to Syracuse. How would you guys feel if they just came out and said? Hey, so standard obviously doesn't have as big of a turnout as modern, and we're gonna do this pioneer, which is gonna be a brand new format that is a non-rotating format, so it's just gonna be better for the long haul. Nobody likes standard because it rotates. So what we're gonna do, since standard turnouts at Grand Prix always suck, we're just going to remove all standard Grand Prix and all standard major events are just gonna take place on arena, and then we're just gonna focus entirely on modern and pioneer as our tabletop paper events, and standard is just solely at your local game store and on arena for major events that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah i mean whatever then they can put a legacy grand prix in there well, i feel like the them. game is old enough that they don't need to try and get people to play paper standard anymore because i even even when i try to play paper standard there are so many other formats that i'm willing to devote my time to that i wouldn't i'm just not interested in picking up standard cards to play standard but i'll yeah, play I arena think, i think most of their promotion is based off of selling new standard cards. So while as a player, I would much more prefer that everything was pioneer and modern. I think like their business model just says that they're never going to do that. But what's interesting though is they only have two standard Grand Prix, and I don't know if that's like acknowledging that that they they just want to get pioneer off the ground. That's probably the most likely of, of the scenarios is they just want to get pioneer off the ground and they had to make a sacrifice somewhere and not piss off the modern players too badly. But it, it is kind of weird that they only have two standard Grand Prix, right, Tom? Yeah, but I mean, they kind of took Grand Prix out of the loop of that promotional pro circuit idea. Like they added in the arena qualifications, which is almost all standard. And uh, I actually don't even think they do limited they are really pushing their pro leagues that is all standard and maybe they start to work pioneer into that but most of the high level play is standard and i can't see them dropping it yeah so the other thing that you just brought up is the the high level play and i think uh nate brought this up earlier when he was discussing the format overall but just the magic online aspect of this and the fact that they don't have these cards coded on arena Dude, I spent so long today just refreshing the arena subreddit just to just to like bathe in the salt. And I do feel bad for these people because they I mean, we thought, Tom, like you and I concurred on this several times, that it we thought that the new format, the new modern format would be arena forward. And whether, you know, arena forward meant Kaladesh because they had that coded fully in Arena or or Shadows of Innistrad because that was part of like some alpha testing they did so they had the cards in there like we thought though that that it would be arena forward and it's not which is really curious and so it's able to go live on Moto now 
and arena there's no plan to implement this so like the mpl what are they going to be signing into modal well so this past weekend i didn't get a chance to check it out but they had the mythic championships the sort of pro tour on arena the invitation and yeah yeah so did you see that there were multiple matches that they had to replay game threes where the the server crashed they didn't have the ability to recreate the game state so there were players who were a turn oh or two away from winning the match have to completely restart game three and then lose because Arena lacked the functionality to fix it. Should have played around it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so it happened, I, I think, four times total. Yeah, I, I think that obviously we thought that it was going to be Arena forward because they were pushing all of this energy into Arena. But, man, Magic Online is still better than Arena. Arena looks fancy. It looks nice, but they can do a lot more with Magic Online than they can with Arena. I, I'm i happy that MTGO is sticking around and getting some new action. And just from like a... The game. Yeah, exactly. Just from like a developer's perspective too, like going back, this is at least 14 sets that they have zero cards coded for if they were to go put this into Arena. So you're talking about if if they doubled their staff, so instead of just coding like the next set forward, they coded like one set backwards too. We're talking about three to four years before this was in Arena, if they were to double their staff. So it just doesn't seem like this is realistically on a time frame. Like it, it could be implemented, you know, in 2023 or something, but we, we haven't even heard that, you know? It's just really strange to me. It does make you think about what was the impetus for doing this right now. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to unwrap there with one that they did modern horizons, like they committed heavily to putting cards in modern. I wouldn't say it flopped, but the Hogak thing was a real modern horizons. Dude, modern horizons was the most egregious set of all time. <laughs> like the, the arbitrary power creep of that set has upended every eternal format in multiple ways. Multiple times. Yeah, okay. You're right. It was just a straight up hard mistake. It's weird because it's like, I wouldn't say it's a flop in that, it's, it's not a Homelands flop. It's what's the, what's, it's like an Urza Saga flop, right? Like, they had to ban a card from it and, in Modern. They probably might have to consider banning cards from it in Legacy and Vintage at some point. Like, you know, it's, 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 you know, but they, they took that big swing at it, you know? And it's like, that was when? June? And then it, we're three months later, and they're three, four months later, and they're like, here's a new kind of modern, you know, that's the old, that's going to get cars the way modern used to get it, just through standard. Like, what was the point of the Modern Horizons experiment? I, 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 it's so interesting. I think this is one of the rare situations where Wizards sort of haphazard strategy, like business strategy, because let's face it, like, this is really bizarre. Like a, a company like do it, making this kind of sequence of decisions is not great. This does not reflect well on the company necessarily. Like, I don't know that I agree. I don't. I don't think I agree with you on this one. Well, it, it's I, more like you got like this. This you've got this premier product in arena that you're trying to push, and you put all this effort into pushing, and you've got you you've taken away coverage of paper so that you can show people playing arena every week, right? And it's not even like it's open. You're you're just you're just showing the same you know, whatever, 60-something people over and over playing Arena. So you put all this stuff into it, and then you, uh, to, to like, sort of keep the, the, the enfranchised players going, you try this this experiment with the Modern Horizons that 
you know, has, you know, mixed results. Let's put it that way. And then in the, and then after all that's done, you decide, okay, well, here's another format that has nothing to do with our, with our, like, this premier digital product we're working on. It has nothing to do with, like, the thing we just did for this other format. And had four Grand Prix. I mean, that's crazy. That's a lot I, of support. I think one thing that we're neglecting is, and, and this is something that I, I feel like the Magic community as a whole refuses to accept that it could possibly be true but i was just refreshing twitter all day today just to see like what all the hot takes were going to be and there is just the de facto stance that anytime they they add something new or make something new that it must replace something else and they were adamant that this is purely additive so the same way that like when arena came out we were like up oh, death of moto like obviously this is going to replace moto and i think they get so much data from moto and also that they never even in, like gave us the the clue that arena was intended to replace moto considering that they said all of the eternal formats were only going to be on moto so i think arena from from their standpoint based on like the actions that they've taken is pretty much just a function of getting new players into the game i don't think that arena is trying to like Yes, if we play Arena, that's obviously lovely for them. But I don't think that they're they're trying to get us to be the ones to be playing Arena. They're going to get money from us playing Moto the same way that they would if we were playing Arena. So the the idea that this format has to replace another format or knock it out, like there are how many people? There are what thirty million people in the world playing Magic, and like at a certain point, people are going to be like us and get tired of of Standard and just not want to play the same two thousand card pool where you're at the mercy of your draw step hoping you don't miss your third land drop right or like hey you got to just play all the most powerful mythics otherwise your deck's not going to do anything I, I i think that the idea that these things have to be it's it's one or the other I, I i don't think is the right lens to view it through i i think that they are viewing this as we are making more formats so if you just got into arena the last couple of years then hey modern may still be out of reach but pioneer won't be you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, as the game gets older, there's just going to be more and more formats, and that doesn't have to mean that they're going to replace any of the other ones. The, the 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 Magic player base as a whole will be large enough to support all of them. I think it's funny because now I'm going back to like the announcements that they made when Arena was coming out, and they really did have a lot of that language. Like this isn't replacing Moto, this isn't replacing Paper. Like we're still committed to this and that, and we just all like kind of wrote that off as oh they're just saying that, and like that sort of just got embedded into into like our uh, understanding of the product is like oh this is this is trying to kill us or whatever we have this adversarial attitude but maybe they were just being honest with us the whole time and really the the only thing that they're worried about right now is trying to have some sort of thing this historic thing or whatever where arena cards still have some sort of value after they rotate but that's the problem they're trying to solve separately. And this pioneer has nothing to do with that. And that's the only thing that makes sense now looking at it, you know, from where we are right now. Maybe, you know, that's just how it is. Arena is just an acquisition tool and people eventually wind up in paper and moto. Or they're setting up for a pioneer masters on arena. Yeah. Well, the, the do you guys think that there's truth? Uh, what do you think of the conspiracy tinfoil hat theory that the, the mystery booster uh stuff at the gp do we know what that is we still don't know so we yeah. don't know and there's no reserveless stuff it could be a pioneer masters it's, it's just got to be pioneer masters right i have no idea what you guys are talking about you gotta tell me there's literally like a mystery limited format <laughs> happening in two weeks or something like that at gp richmond 
It's not. It's not the whole format, right? It's like or it's not the whole Grand Prix. It's like a side. No, event. it's like a separate pre-release that they have there. But another conspiracy tinfoil hat thing. Wait, isn't that the, the fourth onset? We don't That's know. We're no doing that also. <laughs> I'll. I'll uh, I, I was like, maybe I thought it was gonna be the reserve list. Reserved list breaking, but uh, get out of here. I, well, I thought it was, get but then someone told me. Then, then Bedell posted in in the dead format Discord that they, he'd watched the the stream or something. Maybe it was him. I don't remember who it was, but like, and that they said that it wasn't going to happen. Yep. But uh, but but yeah. The other shadow tinfoil hat controversy was: Did you guys see Goatbot's tweet that they're calling out insider trading on the Pioneer format announcement? Yes. Because they noticed yum, 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 unusual yum, 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 trading nom, patterns. Nom, nom, nom. I love this. I love it. It's this, so this is the stuff I live for, boys. It's it's just like how how could you not do that? Right? If you were somebody who was privy to this format happening, and there are definitely people who knew outside of Wizards of the Coast, just from word of mouth and with that many people, you can't keep lips sealed. There are 100%. I'm 100% certain that there are people that were trading on this knowledge before the announcement. And if you look at the price spikes, yeah. those people made a ton of money. An absolute ton of money. Yeah, about well, 10, sure. 10x return, it looked like. I, I think that there was also, it was actually leaked by accident, like, on the Wizards event reporter. It became, like, a, a thing you could toggle into or something. But they didn't have the and, starting set, so it seems like people just sort of attacked Kaladesh and, and Shadows because those seem like the most likely sets. But it, I don't know if anybody... Obviously, people at Wizards and, and people who they leaked to would have knowledge of where it started, but the event reporter was just that there was a new format called Pioneer. It didn't say, what, you know, what sets were really looked at. Now I know why Zach couldn't be here tonight. Yeah, because he was. That's what his event was. He was, he was trading, shorting the system. Yeah, shorting. Uh, yeah, shorting match cards. Yeah, I guess I, I think it's interesting to sort of sort of circle back to like your rebuttal to my point was like I think you you might be right that they they do actually have our best interests in mind, but they can't say a ton about it. I think that maybe our own skepticism isn't even so much that we think there's anything nefarious, but more that we, as a community, are don't necessarily believe in their ability to devote resources right to uh, spread them across like this that they're going to spread themselves too thin you know i think that's our fear but i i, I sort of agree that like I, they're not going to just blow everything up they, they gain they, they have nothing to lose by by maintaining this i mean they're making money on magic online it's 12 or 10 dollars enter a league like you know well, There's no reason to shut it down. The, the co- it's not like it, it's old code. It's old server technology that you can get yeah. at the freaking you know, at like a electronics recycling center. Like <laughs> it's worth it for them to keep it up just to make the money off of Ian's drafts. Dude, I've never I, I've deposited twenty five dollars in the last three months. I think so. I'm, I'm okay. Oh, okay. I apologize. But yeah, I, I've been opening a lot of Oko's. It's not that I'm doing that well. I just keep opening Oko. <laughs> Yeah, I opened a true name assist right. and I paid for like three months. Nice, but you know, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, but anyway, yeah, I, it's a, I think we're just a little concerned, but I don't think we have to worry about it too much. I think that I, I do think that this that this format does really just clash with modern, though. I think that it's it, modern has structural itch issues that this format doesn't have. Right, the modern ban list was a mile long when it launched. The fetch lands being not part of this format makes it nothing like modern. Right. But I think that in terms of like, is it fun to play? Like this could just end up being more fun to play. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, like, modern is broken up. When I look at it, it's broken up into degenerate turn potentially turn two decks, turn three decks, thought seize decks, and hyper redundant decks like burn and scape shift. Right? Like they they all fall into these these patterns that are really all you can play if you're trying to play it competitively. Where I think that we're gonna have a lot more space in this format. And that's why I don't enjoy modern. It's not that I have something against it, like, you know, in, in theory, it's that I don't like the gameplay and this format potentially solves that issue. Here are the current top eight decks in modern. Burn is number one. Now, granted, these are pretty small percentages. It's like 4.40. Um, this is not magic. Uh, sorry, I'm teaching Goldfish. So it's Burn, Amulet Titan, Eldrazi Tron. That's your top three. And then Jund. <laughs> Then five is regular Tron, and then six is blue-white control. Seven, Dredge, still going strong with Dredge. And then eight is Titan Shift. Like, you've got two Primeval Titan decks. You've got a Thoughtseize deck. You've got a Counterspell deck, which is essentially a Thoughtseize deck. And then, like, two Tron variants, and then two Redundancy variants in Dredge and Burn. Like, I I, I just don't think the format is fun, right. quite frankly. Like I, 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 it's like, and we can we complain about legacy and sometimes like treating Nemesis isn't fun or Chalice can be Chalice isn't fun to play against sometimes. Or I got Grizzle Brandon on turn one, but like more often than not, legacy games are at least good. You know, like you can even if you lose, at least you you know played some. But like these are just it just doesn't sound like a fun format to play at all, and. Uh, you know, the, the the thing where this clashes with Modern is that it's going to be a lot of the same cards, a lot of the recency bias in terms of what's fun or what's good to play. They keep the, they keep banning cards that came out before uh, Pioneer as a format at this point. Like, they ban Bridge from Below and they ban, uh, you know, like just to, as an example, like Sensei's Divining Top and all these cards are already out anyway. So you're not playing the best cards from all these old formats anyway. You're just playing what you can get to. Summer, summer bloom, you know, like is a banned card. Like, so what's the what's the big deal? You're just going to play with what's new anyway. So you might as well play this format. At least it might be more interactive and fun. Yeah. And it, like, can you guys imagine a format where everybody's like Deathrite Shaman? Nah. I mean, it's like the Deathrite Shaman standard, or the or the even the Treasure Cruise yeah, standard. Yeah, the standard was, yeah, like, dude, the standard was it's like great. That. This format's gonna be awesome. Um, I, I think like the the, the I, I feel like once we all have the experience of playing without fetch lands, we're gonna realize how toxic they are in the other formats, and that's just gonna be eye opening. So is is shuffling your big issue with fetch lands? No, no, no. Shuffling is uh, okay. not even. I, I I will shuffle for days. I am I am I love having cards in my hand and moving them around. No, my my issue is that. Fetch lands are both enablers and tutors that cost zero mana and make it so your mana bases don't have to have any thought put into them. Okay. Because I was going to say, all the lists that I have drawn up are like four Fabled Passage and four Traverse the Uvenwald or Attuned with Aether. So there's still going to be the same amount of shuffling. It's just, you know, getting basic lands. Not not It's not this wild card where a Scalding Tarn can be black or blue or red untapped, you know? It's oh yeah I, I'm I'm more I think like fetch lands are are not unhealthy in like the 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 dexterity cost of them cool. I think they're unhealthy in the fact that they're just they break so many other things because they're free enablers that you're incentivized to play yeah. all right gotcha because yeah I was gonna say I think there's still gonna be a lot of shuffling but I I think that the the patterns will probably be healthier for having actual restrictions around colors yeah. 
Well, I mean, Rich Rich Shea said on Twitter the other day. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he like this was maybe a couple weeks ago now. But like, um, the problem isn't ponder. The problem isn't you know sensor dividing top or anything. The problem is fetch lands. And there was a big discussion underneath it about like, well, what happened? Like, we should be basically we should fat, ban fetch lands and legacy, or fetch lands are the worst thing that happens to legacy. And a number of people responded and said, well, you can't just take them out of legacy at this point. It's it's too it's too much part of the format, and that I agree with. But I responded to him and I asked, well, what brought this on? He said, discussing legacy in a ninety three ninety four Discord. And look, when I was playing a, a lot of old school uh, in the two weeks leading up to our old school event in Austin. It was refreshing yeah. to not have to play with fetch lands for once. Like you, you have to think about your mana base. You don't just flash colors for free. Like, and this format's going to be a little bit like that. You're going to have your mana confluence, you know, which is sort of like City of Brass, and you're going to have like you know various dual lands with certain downsides. But um, you, you know, you're going to have to think about it, and that is that is something that that matters a little bit in terms of making in terms of making feeling like your deck is something that you really are personalizing or thinking about a little bit like rather than just like here's a stock mana base and it's an arms race because once you have that kind of mana base everyone has to have it you know like the fetchland duel or fetchland shock mana base plus the cantrip engine is just the best mana fixing it, it almost it makes the mana system meaningless like almost like yeah. you look at some of these decks that get played not to complain about the, the players because you're just incentivized to do it i mean I, it's 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 just refreshing to not have to deal with them i think it's just it's interesting how we keep coming back to that as the the big thing about this format that i think is that it's the first time ever like i don't know i think every extended format might have had fetch lands in it before it got shut down Maybe at the end, I think even at the end, like might have had Zendikar rotate in as Onslaught rotated out, and like you've just never had a format like this literally since whatever year before Onslaught came out. That's just, interesting. You, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, I mean, there's been. I wouldn't say I shouldn't say I don't know if there's ever been talk in like you know your middle school or hyper formats about getting them out of those formats as well. But like they had, they just didn't have the fetchable duels. Like not having the fetchable duels is such a big deal. Yeah, yeah, they kind of would be healthier without fetchable duels, right? And they could have done that. They could have said, "We're going to ban Deathrite Shaman, and we're going to ban all the shock lands and the check lands and That's whatever so dig through time, though. just so you could play these five fetch lands." But I think this is much more interesting. I think there's a, I think, for example, like, are the shock lands the best thing you can do? No, I don't think so at all. Tom, you're, you're smart. I, I think the fast lands are going to end up being way better yeah. than the shock lands because the, the number one benefit of the shock lands was that you could fetch them. Now you have to completely reevaluate your mana choices because whether or not the subtype was fetchable just doesn't really matter anymore, right? So now you have lands that have been printed recently in standard, like, uh, like Fabled Passage. Is that is that the newest one that got printed? It is. Yeah. Yep. Like that, that's a lot more attractive now. And if that's what they're trying to do with the mana base, having like a like a juxtaposition between fast lands and fetchable untapped slow lands 
like fabled passage kind of is it just it's it's refreshing to not know exactly what the best mana base is and i mean i hope the format is like rich enough to keep that newness for a while because i do feel like the the creature removal is awful <laughs> and the the answers the answers are kind of bad so if we have this just like degenerate strategy wizards is really going to have to keep on top of it with bannings cuz the format doesn't have force of will there's no force of negation there's no good one man of removal like it at the beginning is just going to be a completely wild west time that is going to need some time to settle it does kind of remind me of old school too because you have mana confluence Nate, you alluded to this earlier in space of city of brass and you have mutable in place of uh mishra's factory. factory so like a lot of the same oh, i just sold my mutavaults oh my god it's <laughs> just now <laughs> i got paid off so big by this format from like being so lazy that i haven't moved anything since dude, i turned to ravnica is that the it best was, it was awesome <laughs> oh dude i'm looking i'm sorting my cards right now i'm just looking at all the shit that i should have sold that's working out for me in the end oh i have a black lotus i just gotta remind, remember that i have a black lotus oh nice i didn't know that wow humble <laughs> i have a ce black lotus but I still have a Black Lotus, and that's why I traded. I didn't spend a cent on it. I just traded cards. You're, so, making, you're making me jealous. I don't. I'm ready to sleeve up Dragon Lord Ojitais. Yeah. Yeah. Phil hasn't even been paying attention. He's been looking at the, the pool of Pioneer League o- cards. Ojitai and I was watching. Let's bring yeah. it back. I will say this, though, too, like about the mana thing. Like, even in uh, Hyperextended, you know, or uh, any of those kinds of formats, like, you don't always play the fetch lands because they don't have fetchable duels, you know? And you do and the mana is terrible. I tried to play a bug deck in hyper and it was the mana was horrendous. I think it will actually be slightly better um in in this format. It would be slightly better in, in a deck that allowed in a format that allowed City of Brass as well. But still, like like you like um you having to make those decisions just gives your deck so much more identity. When I was like, how many gemstone mines do I want in this deck to enable it? I had to actually think about it, you know? How many how much pain can I take off my pain lands before it's better to just not have the land? And similarly, the reason I, I asked about the shock lands a second ago was like, yeah, do you want to take two life every time? Maybe you don't actually want to do that. Like, do you have are you really that incentivized to play Hallowed Fountain in your blue white control deck? You might not have time for it. We already talked about how bad the removal is. You're gonna be eating creatures. So I mean, it just it just it just makes it so like oh you know it's great the shocklands are legal but we don't need them you know we don't need them just because they can they're the best thing you can possibly do at all so I mean, it's possible to fa- i think the fast lands are great and they don't we don't have all of them yet which means maybe we'll be going back to mirrodin or that's in the secret set but um yeah i just i just love the idea of building decks like that and just thinking about it a little differently and also slowing down the the idea of a non-rotating format because you're going to have to play 23, 24 lands in, in an average deck, you know, more often than not. The only cantrip is opt, right? Yeah, but then there's like once upon a time, and then there's like the, the green, like a tune with Aether and, uh, and Traverse the Ovenwald that'll let you shave on lands. And, but they require something to enable. You have to pay that off, right? And that's what makes it cool. Traverse is, is a really interesting card, like because you're not going to automatically get a land in the graveyard, so you got to actually think about how to use Traverse and how to turn on Delirium in the late game. Right. You know, guys, guys, 
Deathrite Shaman is it works with Niv Mizzet Reborn. We broke it, guys. Because <laughs> you can cast it off your Niv Mizzet. You can get it off of your Niv Mizzet. <laughs> I don't even know how that card works. I have no idea. Oh, it has guys. to be two colors, right? Yeah, bro. Golgari, let's go. That's right. Yo, just think about all of the Mazes End decks we can brew up now. Oh, God. Mazes End Field of the Dead actually is kind of scary. <laughs> like, they just had yeah. to ban Field of the Dead, and like, you're just going to like get a new Maze every turn and make a 2-2. Golos just leveled up, dude. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to look how big, how much my Muta Vaults are now and then cry. What are the, the, the odds that now that Magic is here forever and it will outlive us, which is a... a positive that we're just going to get a new format like this like every eight years to a decade yeah i mean it's on the threes right you got vintage on 93 you got modern on 2003 now we got this format on 2013 it seems like that's a, a pretty healthy span right like to replace this in 2028 with a format that goes back to 2023 it's, it seems likely to me at this point i didn't even notice that pattern Wow, I didn't notice that either. I was thinking it was 10 years less than Modern, but I didn't realize Modern was exactly 10 years less than Legacy and Vintage. Yeah. Like, they gotta get they gotta get new players ingratiated into the tournament format somehow, right? Like, they, they, they have to get new players into the game, but they also have to maintain those players to stay in. And the same way the Modern players wouldn't buy into duels, Pioneer players won't have to worry about buying $100 Scalding Tarns. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's it's amazing that like, now now we're all like all of our minds are blown by Ian, and I'm just thinking about like 1996, like imagining this game like going on till 2026 is like crazy. Yeah. But uh, here I am. So what do you know? Back then, playing like Jihad or sorry, Vampire: The Eternal Struggle alongside Magic. <laughs> yeah, which one will live? Dude, Jihad's still alive. We were actually playing it at the bar this weekend. Now, when's the last time... Was it White Wolf? Okay, apparent... I don't know shit about this, first of all. I was I was uh, an observer. But they were saying that it's still a living game, according to the people who have the cards. Oh, that blows my mind. Yeah, I, I was like, I had no fucking idea. But uh, that's that's what I heard. Dude, also, I, I just want to mention this real quick. I got to play Paper Legacy this weekend for the first time in, in months because I'm not going to be able to go to the LAL this weekend. Uh, and that dude, Cody, from our Discord was there at uh, Game Etc. And uh, it was really fun. I got to play Tom's uh, Tom Karen's Snow Deck, and uh, I played with no reserve list cards. I just wanted to mention that for you guys. I didn't realize it. Really? Yeah, his deck was no reserve list cards. It's no reserve list cards. Yeah, it's just Fable Passage and uh, Prismatic Vista with an all-basic mana base. And I, I straight up won a game against Delver because I took no pain off my off my fetching with the uh, Fable Passages. So there is some validity in that, and it is kind of crazy that I, I was playing what I thought to be an optimal deck, and there just weren't any reserveless cards in there. So I think Modern Horizons accomplished... It, it clearly fucked things up, but it also accomplished a lot. I think from from like solving some structural problems. I think Prismatic Vista is the biggest, you know, solving of structural problems. But maybe they were just trying to wreck the eternal formats. You know, I don't know what I like. I don't know what hat size you guys are, but here's a tinfoil hat for you guys. Maybe they were trying to ruin it. 
I, I agree with you on like their intent of Modern Horizons may have been in the right place, right? They were just trying to, you know, fix problems and give tools to certain decks that were like on the cusp, but not like quite there. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, here's like an added like Goblin Engineer to help out with all the players who've always wanted to play Welder, but like we can't put that card because it's crazy. Uh, I wish they like just had fixed it to the point where they were like, you know what? Let's shave multiple mana off of everything. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but one thing that I think about a lot is that there seems to be, from the community's perspective, a lot of assuming that the people inside of Wizards or inside Play Design or, you know, Gavin Verhey or Mark Rosewater, whoever your figurehead is, has this, like, all-encompassing knowledge of, of what adding a card to a format is going to do to that format. So, like, six months later, when you look at the format, they're like, oh, they did this for that reason or whatever, but... I, I tend to err on the side of no one can see all the angles. Like, this game is just too fucking big for everyone to see all the angles. There's shit that happens all the time, especially in these huge formats, that nobody could have possibly seen. So all it is is unattended consequences. Like, you can try to do something, and, like, you know, maybe they print a Giver of Runes because they knew Mother of Runes was in trouble with Ren coming. You know, you can try to do stuff like that, but in the end, like, the balance that, that it reaches, nobody can possibly see that. Dude, I'm 100% behind you on the idea that they, they can't catch everything. They missed Reflector Mage. Yep. Dude, they, they just were on it. They were they just straight up were like, yeah, we didn't even consider this card was even remotely constructed playable. It, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's no way, especially like now that Arena exists, like... Everybody was uh, wants Oko to be banned, and it's been out for less than a month. Which, to be fair, it probably is way too overpowered for the context of the other cards around it. But the other side is there are so many players now playing so many games in such a narrow period of time yep. that formats are just going to be solved or broken way faster than they ever used to be. 100%. So, so like they're going to have to like the the volume of time that they were banning in previous years where they were like oh when Jason Stoneforge were banned it was like 5 years since they had banned anything prior to that and it was like another 6 years or whatever until they had to ban something again. Like we're going to see bannings be way more happen way more often just because formats are just going to be solved way faster. Like back in the day, Kai could get away and win seven pro tours because he was playing Illusions Donate while his opponents were playing Grizzly Bear. <laughs> that's just true. His opponents were playing Grizzly Bear in that format. Yeah, that's crazy. And that, like like if if we have, you know, if there if there's a billion games happening, like a a billion games on Arena happening, in a month's time of a set's release yeah that format's gonna get solved really quick if the only actual playable cards in a in a standard environment at least are what maybe 200 cards because then there's just like unplayable stuff that you can't probably play even less, in the, probably the, like 150 yeah yeah like oh you're telling me the entirety of the internet isn't going to figure out a way to like solve these uh formats like insanely fast like yes that's and that's fine, and they're you they're going to use the ban list as a tool to like retrofit any of the things that they couldn't catch. But the thing is, is that with if they keep introducing new formats like this, then that's going to be okay. Uh, it, it's it's funny you mentioned that too because like I keep forgetting the field of the dead requires you to have seven lands with different names, and I'm like I'll just throw that in my deck, and I realize it's not just landfall. This happens, <laughs> and the reason I keep forgetting that is because someone else. Like, you know, you see a screenshot of, like, 30 on 30 freaking uh, tokens, right? 
and someone else figured out how to fit the seven lands in and make it so it's that easy. And I and I didn't, but I just didn't even realize that it was that that required that much work. For what it's worth, there are thirteen hundred and sixty nine cards that are currently legal and standard, and there are six thousand something that are legal and pioneer. Um, there are less than a thousand cards legal in old school, which is is really something. Yeah. Like, I mean. I think my my point here was just that like old school isn't even solved, and there's only like nine hundred and something cards in it because like you know so few people are able to play it. But like you can solve these thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred card formats because of like the volume of games. It just shows you how important that is, you know. Because there's always new old school ideas coming out. Even on, 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 years on that later. idea, if a format is actually entire, like if a format is designed and it is balanced across the board. Like, if a format is actually structurally balanced, then you wouldn't solve it. Right. You would, you would, have, like, you would have, like, tiers and whatnot, but it wouldn't be, like, the, the way that it's been progressing now with each, whether it's legacy, modern, or uh, standard, where it's like, oh, this deck is clearly tier zero, we have to ban something from it. Like, if you have a push-pull in a format, and you have, you know, a, a ten to a dozen top decks in a given format, and then you have a tier two underneath that, that's competitive that's just a healthy format but that can still be a solved format but not be bad yeah i mean that's sort of the concept of the rock scissors paper right like maybe a deck is the best deck but as long as there's a deck out there that reliably beats that deck at at a good clip and isn't a total waste of space with regards to the rest of the meta then that's not the best deck anymore you know so as long as the format can rotate around itself you're okay and yeah i I mean like even legacy has been closer to that i think that the problem is that that's so many cards are legal in Legacy that some people, and I'll say it's me, like would like to see more cards be played. There is like definitely a cycle with like you know Dark Depths and then Combo and then you know Fair Blue right. and then yeah. Blue White. There's that that does rotate around, and sometimes the question is whether or not it's. I think the question is whether or not it's fun. Right. Um, I mean, right now, and that, in, mo- in modern, I think it, it, Legacy can still be fun. In modern, I think that, that I don't think it has it really ever has looked fun. I think I said when I was when I sold all my cards to get, or I sold a bunch of say all of my cards. But I sold a bunch of my cards to get my Lotus, and I was like sitting all these modern cards, and I registered for modern five times in the three years I lived in Utah. Right, that was like a thing I realized when I moved. I'm like, okay, well, I'd rather have this one card, like because I'll I'll just get more enjoyment out of it, you know. Um, and I think that. You know, it does matter if it's fun. And if this format can be fun, I mean, there's, the sky's the limit. You yeah. know? I mean, what I think is fun, it, I like playing, like, bug decks and esper decks and bant decks, and that was never something that you could do in modern. Like, it was never a bug deck, really. You know, maybe there was some combo deck that just happened to technically on paper be bug, but there was never, like, you know, like a, a bug mid-range deck. There was always just junk, right? Or, or rock. Like, yeah. There was, like, these whole slices of the color pie these whole shards or whatever the fuck they're called we're just missing from from modern permanently because the the threats and answers were so imbalanced in in proportion to each other and you started the format with 15 life if you're going to play three colors so uh, i I will tell you let me tell you about the two times i read two of the five times i registered for modern in utah i played a bug control deck because all i wanted to do was cast ancestral visions for free off uh yeheni's expertise um so you'd like wipe the whole the idea was you'd wipe the whole board and draw three cards. Yeah. So I show up to Friday Night Magic and I win the first, second, third rounds. And I go to the fourth round. I'm going to play it for the 4-0. 
and I play against the other 3 0 deck that night was literally Defender Ramp. And he used all these like walls and then like just ramped into like a Sigarda or something crazy. And I did win and I went 4 0. And I was like, holy shit, I just, I just broke modern. Look at all these crazy decks I beat. I then was like, I'm coming back next week. I registered for another modern tournament, immediately went 0 3. Like, I don't, I might have not won a game. <laughs> like, it just went home. Like, it's just not fun. It's just not a, it's not a fun experience sometimes. Like, just because you have no, no idea what to expect. Like, Yeti's expertise did nothing against a bunch of O4 walls, and I still pulled it off, so I figured I was doing something right. But yeah, the next week I showed up, and I just couldn't get anything going, and nothing worked, and it was just like, I think that would have been even the last time I, I registered for Modern. Oh, no, that's not true. I, I did play once after that in, like, a store championship. But, like, yeah, like, I, I just never really felt the format is, is that enjoyable, and I think that this format, if it's enjoyable, could shake up a lot about how about magic competitive magic I mean, it's a competitive tournament with a bunch of grand prix it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be wrestling for people's time it's gonna be wrestling people's attention and, and i think that could be really interesting and it will still i i still believe there, nothing about that will ever threaten legacy or vintage and that's all i really care do you about guys, do you guys know offhand the last five cards that were banned in legacy uh Sensei's the top, Del, Death Ray Shaman, Shaman uh, Dig, Dig Through Time, Time Treasure Cruise, and uh, Mental Misstep. Is that yeah, right? So four, four out of five all seem to have one big problem. And it's nice that, that we're not going to encounter that in this format. <laughs> Even Mental Misstep was free. Like, that's another thing. There's no, free, there's no free spells in this format other than Once Upon a Time. And like random things that are like free if you do like a zillion other things. I mean, all, all just so many different things. I just love it. I love it. I love to see it. Wow, that is interesting, man. Yeah, it's just once upon a time. Jeez. So. Oh, we've got Ornithopter for the record. Oh, Ornithopter is they free. Get it right, okay, dude. Well, actually, Phil, you're gonna <laughs> want research, you're gonna man. want that Ornithopter for your uh, Emery deck. Yeah, you definitely want Ornithopters, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you might. If it's a zero, it's probably the best zero-cost artifact. <laughs> well, Briber's Purse isn't a creature, so it'll trigger it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you still, yeah, you still have uh, Ballista and Hangerback Walker and all of the those guys. I mean, you have to put mana into them, but they can be zero-mana artifacts. Ashla Cornucopia, Bonesaw. Oh, we got Steel Overseer from M20. You could play hanger bag, ballista, steel overseer, hardened scales. Like under what? Hugh Atley's Raptor. That's my that's my counter card. What is it? <laughs> With uh, all Atlee's that glitter from Eldraine. What does it do? All that glitter from Eldraine, you have a a, a nice infinity affinity impression too. Yeah. What it's is... like a two three dinosaur that proliferates when it enters the battlefield. I just think it's funny. Oh. Like, I'm like, hey, two kids. I mean, you don't always get cheap proliferators. I was like, oh yeah, I'll play an experiment one, and then I'll play Hugh Atley's Raptor, double trigger. Ah. Yeah, yeah, you got it, right? I like that. That's it's pretty, probably terrible. I'm hoping that doesn't happen for Pioneer is that it doesn't become dictated by what are the best planeswalkers to be playing, and that's the thing that you need to be doing. Because as much as creature removal is really bad in the format, planeswalker removal is really bad in the format. Is it? So I think that all the good planeswalkers, no, there is no good planeswalker removal. Because there you is... have exactly Dreadbore and Angrath's Rampage at two, and then everything else is the three. The Elder right. Spell. Pa- sure. Yeah, play Elder Spell. <laughs> if you have uh, like the power level of things like Teferi and Oko coming in at three, 
and it seems like the progression of planeswalkers is they're printing way more three color walkers that if the best removal is also going to be at three mana especially if you're only if if you're not going into two colors and specifically rakdos then it means that a three mana walker is going to accrue a ton of value before you deal with it which means that it might prop certain things up so the most threatening card i think right now is going to be planeswalkers and hopefully in the next couple of sets that come into pioneer they continue printing actual decent removal i really think that there should just be way more you know do a thing or kill a walker uh attached so to Phil, it the so reason i think that, i think they went back that, to rtr is abrupt decay Ooh, Abrupt Decay, yeah. Tom, what were you going to say? Abrupt Decay is a good call. I yeah. was about to say, given the fact that the actual removal for everything is worse, I feel like three mana walkers get a little bit worse because creature presence on board before the turn they come down is more important and harder to take care of. So, like, That's an excellent point. Yeah, and it shows you that... I think that whole exchange shows you just like how different... Um, you know, this format's going to be because you, you we're not used to thinking on those kinds of levels because we always have Swords of Plowshares and we always have Bolt or Path or whatever to fall back on. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing. There's, there's nothing coming through that door that's going to that's gonna be on that level. My Experiment 1 Hugh Atley's Raptor thing is going gonna, gonna to take down Yoroko, you know? It's going to be tough to deal with. Like, <laughs> seriously, I mean, we still have like Swift Spear and that kind of shit, right? So, yeah. what, are people going to end up like playing like uh, Wall of Wood or whatever the fuck the equivalent is? Like, you know, ooh, is Wall of Wood legal? No, Merfolk Secret Keeper is though. Well, there's that wall that gains three life when it comes into play. That's one green. Yes, that was actually originally printed in Onslaught. Oh, was it really? Oh wait, no, I was thinking of Wall of Mulch, which is legal, but you have to sacrifice a wall to draw a card. Also, until I know where they've already slated on the schedule that we are going back to Zendikar next fall. Really? I think. Whatever it is. We're not going back to Zendikar for a year. So if Pioneer comes out, that means that we also might see a whole shift when we get allied colored manlands. Right now, we only have enemy colored manlands. Yes, and that the, might dictate yeah. also what decks are going to be better than others. Like tar yeah, what if they what if they reprint the original Zendikar fetches into the new standard set? <laughs> <laughs> well, they ban them in oh, they ban them in Pioneer, right? Yeah, well, they so ban they the original colored bad. ones. Oh, they'll just ban them. Yeah, they'll, they'll ban them on arrival. Yeah, DOA. Um, but I mean, I think I think we're we're now with Pioneer, we're locked to get. The allied colored manlands reprinted in Zendikar when we go back, uh, but right now with uh, I forget what set they were they were just printed in the enemy manlands. But if you're playing, they were uh, in Battle uh, for Zendikar. Battle for Zendikar. So yeah. if you're if you're playing, uh, I mean, if manlands if if manlands are as good as I imagine they're going to be in this format, then that is going to skew you towards enemy colored decks, which actually does then mean that your pick of Siege Rhino is a good one. Yeah, yeah if the three-color mana bases can work out. I was just trying to think of, like, all right, Siege, Siege Rhino was, like, a less-than-a-dollar card, and I could see it being some sort of buyout spec to jump it. It's definitely the first card people think of when, when you look at this format. So at the level zero, I could see that play, Tom, definitely. The timing of that also came out with Ristic Studies just putting out a whole video dedicated to Siege Rhino, <laughs> so that's helpful, too. I didn't know that. Oh, dude, you got to go watch it. It's amazing. Here's the thing that I didn't, that I have not, here's a card they have not seen discussed at all today. 
and I can't believe I haven't seen it discussed. And I almost don't want to say it out loud. But Collected Company is legal in this format. Trash. Trash. Well. Trash. Get out of here. What, 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 you have to have a good creature combo for that. It's, it's, it, it was played in standard. It was omnipresent in standard. And it was good in modern for quite a while. But so rest in peace and like good graveyard hate, I think, is, is like part of this format that wasn't part of that format. But the collected company decks, a lot of the time in that format, were like Bant value decks. So you get Jace, just, and you get Reflector Mage, and you get uh, a bunch of just, like, good 1-2s and 3s that you play your Bant weenie deck, and then you have 4 Collected Company to back it up. Yeah, there's still uh, a Collected Company into the... Risen Reef and Voice of Resurgence. Dude. So, oh, oh man. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, there's everybody listening now has like a. a, a <laughs> I'm gonna buy four collective companies now, right now. Actually. They have priapism now. They've had a hard on going for since we said that. Look, I got that to work in Legacy for like eh, half a league. Like, <laughs> how bad could it be in this format? Like, um, it, it was just crazy. I, I mean, I, I I was surprised no one was talking about it, but like you just remember all these cards. Oh yeah, that was good, and that was good in Modern. Look, Etherworks Marvel is scary, but that wasn't that never took off in Modern. So I guess we'll find out if it's if this is the format for it to to come back. But man, I just I just love it. I love I love so much about it, which is interesting considering how much I usually dislike the new bordered formats. But like, boy, it's just, it's just so interesting to think about these cards that came and went, and you know, they like Siege Rhino is the perfect example of this thing that was such a what's we're looking for, just like a boogeyman, right? Yep. Like. People wanted to people wanted to like just burn this card every time they saw it. And it's coming back. It's coming back. <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped. And I think uh this this might be a good time to wrap it up unless you guys have anything to add. No, I think we're good. I you know, I really appreciate you guys thinking of me and uh inviting Phil on as well. It was well, a lot of thank, fun. Thank you guys for coming on. I had a blast. And honestly, I'm like I'm sick of talking to Ian. <laughs> I it's been it's been far too long. We've been we've been just bickering at each other like a, like a married couple for the past ten episodes. So <laughs> you guys are uh, the much the much needed uh, relatives that come and visit. I uh, yeah, I wish I'd taken better notes during your last podcast because there was about the jank bruise. Tell us about what. I'll tell you about any of the jank brews you want. For what it's worth, uh, you you have the entire creature suite of Arclight, Phoenix, and Pioneer, which is pretty sweet. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't I even was... think about that card. Yeah, it's, it's, it's come and gone. So it's still legal and standard. <laughs> once Upon a Phoenix? Yeah, Once Upon a Phoenix is nice. You can play like <laughs> Mentor and Once Upon a Time and Phoenix. Mentor. Yeah, I found Mentor and the thing that gives you indest- all your creatures indestructible and you take an extra turn earlier. I was pretty excited about that. I think it's bad, but it's still fun. Bro, what about Nexus of Fate? Like, like, I got four Nexus of Fate thinking I was going to have time to play Standard and the combo, the Nexus of Fate combo deck looks sweet. And then I played zero games of Standard. But then I had these Nexus of Fate that I that I got, and I was like, ah, damn it. I got to ship these. And then they like dipped to 10, and I'm like, ah, this blows. And then this format came up, and I hope Nexus of Fate finds a home. Oh, dude, it's going to. The question is whether it gets banned or not, in my opinion. Because you have Wilderness Reclamation, you have Growth Spiral, you have all that shit that enables it. 
and then you add in like whether you want to play stuff like uh jace friends prodigy like consistency right i feel like that well, mark <laughs> marcus and callum already have this bug Nexus of Fate Wilderness Reclamation deck built with four Thoughtseize. Oh, yeah, Thoughtseize. Is Death right in there? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's, okay. there's no creatures in it. Okay. Oh, no, there's Fae of Wishes, which might be how it wins. and uh, or, or just Nexus of Fate. <laughs> look oh, at this deck. Shit. It's insane. Just you, you, guys, you guys have Marcus's Twitter. Just look at it. <laughs> Dude, I wanted to sick. comment, but I couldn't, say, I couldn't think of anything nice to say. I mean, it's a good deck, but I was like, uh, I don't want to think about it. I have a lot more faith in Marcus to break this than, than uh, myself, so that, that's awesome. <laughs> Callum did a bunch of work uh, and put together like a rock deck. Like, I'm glad he did that because I did not get... I was like, I'll build a rock deck, and I got to G, so I didn't get far enough. So <laughs> I don't know if it's a secret or not, but Callum is like actually one of the best deck builders out there right now. Dude, dude is the... He, he like came up with the whole arc light phoenix and legacy for a while until people moved on but like that deck was a, a, a hot ticket for a second and he was the first person to be like yeah guys put lotus petals in there it's way better yeah he got oko going yeah he he has been one of the most creative legacy players that i've seen in a very long time all right so so you guys you have a podcast and you have social media that people can reach out to you at where can people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about bug reclamation or whatever else is going on in this new format? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at N underscore R underscore G and the Eternal Dirtles podcast, which is on all of your favorite podcast uh, platforms at least once a week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> At least once, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Force of Phil on all rela uh, relative social. Rock and roll. And Tom, where can they find you if they want to talk about how I won my fantasy match because Julian Edelman only had 70 yards? Uh, you can find me at ESPN.com slash New England Patriots versus the New York Jets scoreboard. <laughs> wow, the Patriots got a safety. At yeah, some point. <laughs> oh my! I have the Patriots defense in my money fantasy league, and I I have just been ecstatic this year. It's been it's been great. But you can find me gloating at <laughs> t at t smiley mtg in the cast just, at format cast. I'm sorry, uh, Ian. Do not look at Sam Darnold's stat line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just clicked Jets. I think Ian referred to <laughs> Sam Darnold as the future. <laughs> The Samchise. I remember Sanchise, you said the Samchise. Yeah. 11 of 32, 86 yards, four interceptions. <laughs> I heard he was mic'd up. And after the second or third interception at the end of the second quarter, I heard him say, seeing ghosts. Jeez. What a He's disaster. seeing ghosts, bro. He's, uh, I don't know. He's maybe not over the mile or something. I, I got to find something. Because Lamar Jackson looks real good right now. And Darnold does not. Where can they find you on social, Ian? Uh, at Ian18125. If you want to email the cast, it's deadformatcast at gmail.com. There's this sock puppet account that Tom runs called Dead Format Cast on Twitter, I believe that's what it's called. Is that what it is? That's, that's it. Oh, we actually got an email. We didn't respond to it at all, so we're going to save it till next week. So, Alex, we apologize. I read it, and I got so excited to talk about all the stuff we talked about today that I forgot. 
All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot, homies, for coming on. This was awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you guys making yourself available. Nate, this is, uh, I believe, this is your third time guesting with us, so we got a surprise uh, coming to you in the mail. And oh, awesome. uh, all our listeners, thank you very much. Rock and roll. And that's a wrap.